0: Welcome to the So Much More Podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Amy. We've been married for almost 24 years.
1: We have four kids.
0: We live in the Dominican Republic.
1: We're missionaries.
0: We're both educators, have pastored together,
1: and love mentoring others.
0: Oh, and we love sharing our story.
1: Join us for this real talk about how to get more out of this thing called life.
0: Well, hey, welcome to episode... Of the So Much More podcast already. We're loving this uh, episode one and then episode two. And guess what? Then episode three. And so we're so excited. Good job
1: with your counting. Oh,
0: you're so proud of me. Um, this is episode three, but this is week two of our marriage series, which we started last week called Four for More, a real talk on marriage. So we're just trying to take a little bit of what we have learned over the years, the last 23 years of marriage. And share some of that with you. So it's four essentials to help you discover more for your marriage. Uh, last week, we talked about being a cheerleader for your spouse. Wasn't that great to have a good conversation and to talk to Emma Grace?
1: It was so good. Go, Scott.
0: Go, Amy. Yeah. So if you looked at our blog, you saw a GIF or GIF. I know there's like a big debate in the world about is it GIF or GIF GIF. But there's a video, or like a yeah, like a GIF of <laughs> the cheerleaders from Saturday Night Live, uh, Will Ferrell and what was her name? I can't remember. Sherry. Uh, o- Sherry O'Terry. Yeah. So this is a funny story because we actually have had we've had that Halloween costume for probably 15 years.
1: I mean, it's the go-to costume. It's the go-to,
0: and we we don't spend money on other costumes. We hardly even like to dress up for it. But when when desperate times, we have to go trick or treating with the kids. We pull out the cheerleading costume, and we man, we rock it. We do a great job with that. So we've been cheerleading for each other for a long time. So anyway, cheerleading was last week. If you didn't get a chance to hear episode two, go back and listen to it and get caught up. But then uh, cheerleading, today's communication, and then connection and commitment the next two weeks coming. So we're going to jump right into communication. Um, and I was thinking of, gosh, there's got to be an example in our marriage of how communication Maybe didn't go quite as well as we had hoped for. Can you think of an example?
1: Um, Yeah. Thinking of an example of where communication failed us miserably is actually quite easy. But I want to share my favorite one because okay, typically I'm the one who is not communicating as well as I should. And so this is my great Scott example. And I know I have shared it numerous times, but it's a good story. Years ago, so definitely, like when I'm in those years when you're you're pregnant a lot and having babies, and then I'm pregnant again, and you know I'm just not feeling a hundred percent about my body or how clothes fit. That's the season I'm talking about for this story.
0: Oh, I kind of remember uh, if if I think where this is going, this is where this is going. Yeah, well, we have to edit this out.
1: We're not going to edit it out because it proves my point. I mean, our point. Okay, so I I do. It's the typical, like, they could make a really bad commercial based on the scene. And I just get dressed. I, I put on my pants and I ask Scott, Scott, do these make me look fat? What I needed to hear was, no, Amy, they don't make you look fat. You're beautiful. But the words coming out of Scott's mouth are, you could be fatter. Oh, I could be fatter. I could be fatter. And then I said, I am 100%. I said, so if I said, was that stupid? You would say, you could be stupider. If I said, hey, I'm feeling a little ugly. Is your response going to be, you could be uglier?
0: Well, I think in my defense. There's no defense here. I think that comparatively... It's better than the other. So I, I think it's right. Guys out there, uh, yeah, get my back on this. I think it was, in the moment, the the right thing to say. But it <laughs> There's came, no
1: world right. where that is the right thing anyway, to say.
0: It certainly wasn't what I was intending to say. But she's never forgotten it. So anyway, that's one thing about communication is, uh, yeah, once the words are out there, they're, they're always there. So. They're out
1: there, and if you are really slick you can get them recorded for ever and ever
0: which we just did okay great all right so we're going to start by defining communication communication as a noun is the exchange of information through various methods including verbal written and nonverbal. and then to communicate as a verb is to actively listen and convey thoughts ideas and feelings with another individual notice we're kind of starting off defining these things. Amy was an English teacher for a really long time and likes words.
1: words. are important.
0: I do love words myself as, as we're both studying Spanish and learning just the similarities in words. It's just interesting. N- nouns, verbs, adjectives, all that kind of weird stuff. So that's kind of what communication is in a generic definition.
1: If we flesh out this definition of communication just a to- bit more. I think we we need to recognize and acknowledge that communication is expressed in different forms, right? There's verbal words, the words that come out of your mouth. There's written words when we write and when we read and text, right? There's written words. But then there's also this whole nonverbal communication. Do you think you have any nonverbal communication giveaways, Scott? Me? hmm No. No, never.
0: Never. Mm-hmm. I, I, I say what I mean, and I mean what I say.
1: And you don't... Nothing on the face.
0: Um. Well, probably. I mean, if I was looking in a mirror at different points during the day, yeah, I guess my face probably could give away my emotion, even though I may be saying something else.
1: We weren't really sure how well other people were reading our nonverbal communication, so we thought, wouldn't it be fun to bring in Scotty and Zoe and... And just ask them if they are able to read how their parents feel based on our nonverbal communication.
0: So we recorded them for just a minute. We're going to show that with Scotty. We played a little game with her to talk about our facial expressions. And then Zoe answered a few questions as well. And I want to apologize ahead of time for the tunnel sound. Not sure what was going on there, but the reactions, their responses were just too good to redo. So take a listen. All right, so I'm here now with our 16 year old daughter, Scotty. Hey, Scotty, say hi. 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 Okay, so this idea of nonverbal communication. So we're going to play a little game. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, so next to Scotty is Amy, and Amy's going to use some of her, oh, let's say hypothetical nonverbals, and Scotty is going to try to determine what. Her emotion is, what is Amy communicating with this face? Okay. All right. Let's try the first one, Scotty. What does mommy, what does she feel right now?
1: Sad. Sad.
0: Yeah. She was making a sad face, right? So, uh, yeah, obviously sad. Okay. Next one.
1: Excited?
0: Excited. Yeah, She made an excited face. How do you know? How do you know she she's excited? She was
1: smart. She was excited because... She thinks it's a gift.
0: She thought it was a gift. Was she smiling? Yes. Okay. All right, let's try another one. Angry? Angry. And how did you know she was angry?
1: Because she threw a fit on the phone.
0: Uh, Because she made it through a fit. Okay. What else did you see on her face or what was she doing? No. Pointing no, right? You can tell. Can you tell when mommy's angry? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's try another one. What is that noise? What is that called when mommy does that?
1: A sigh. A
0: sigh. And what does a sigh mean? What is mommy feeling when she does that? When she goes, what does she feel?
1: Mad.
0: Mad or what else?
1: Frustrated.
0: Frustrated. That's right. Oh, what about this one? (laughs) Oh, now you're trying to copy mom. What is that called when she does that? What do you think she feels right now?
1: Yawning.
0: She's yawning. What does yawning mean? That she's what? Sleepy. Sleepy. So, yeah. she. So, can you tell how Mommy feels just by looking at her face?
1: Um, I can't do it.
0: Did Mommy use any words or did she just use her face?
1: Use her face.
0: That's right. <laughs> Our faces can't communicate a lot. That was great. Scotty, thanks for playing. High five. Woo! Good job. Woo! All right, now I am here with Zoe, our youngest, who's nine years old, and she's going to help us out uh, in this idea again of nonverbal communication. So, how can you know if I'm frustrated?
1: Um, you sigh.
0: I sigh? Like, show me what a sigh is. <sighs> That's just <laughs> breathing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. That's just breathing. So when I go, <sighs> what does that say? I'm what? Um, annoyed or angry. Annoyed or angry. Okay. What else? What about mom? What does she do that that you can tell how she feels?
1: Um, mom rolls her eyes and sighs. She rolls <laughs> her eyes.
0: What are What does rolling her eyes mean?
1: Just looking the other way.
0: Yeah. Do you roll your eyes? <laughs> yeah. Do you roll your eyes? And what does it mean when you roll? You're like, mm, "What does that mean?" Um, annoyed. Annoyed. Uh huh. What about? Can you tell from our face if we're angry? Yeah. How do you know?
1: Um. Well, I can tell by like. Just maybe your eyebrows and <laughs> your eyes
0: eyebrows like angry eyebrows (laughs) you can got angry eyebrows okay so angry eyebrows sighing um rolling your eyes what about if you're like excited or you know like super happy can you tell that on somebody's face
1: um they're happy
0: yeah Uh, what gives you what gives it away if somebody's happy
1: (laughs) she's Mom
0: smiles. Oh, so smiling. Okay, smiling is good. What else? What other kind of emotions can you communicate with your face? Sad. How do you know if daddy's sad? I mean (laughs) I'm never sad. Of course I'm sad sometimes. (laughs) How does you know how you know mommy's sad? If she's reading a book or watching a movie, how do you know she's sad? Oh cry. (laughs) (laughs) Does she cry a lot? Yeah. She does during when she movies. reads them. She doesn't cry like in real life much, but watching movies <laughs> or reading. books. I don't know how you cry reading a book. It's a book, but she does.
1: She, I almost cried during a book.
0: Do you give away any of your emotions with your face? Like yeah. Like what?
1: I cry when I'm sad or frustrated, Mm-hmm. or if I'm angry. Yeah, I squint my eyes.
0: You do? Show me. Oh, yeah, that's a good squint. (laughs) Great job. Okay, so we can communicate even without words, right? That's great. Good job, Zoe.
1: So apparently, I, mom, definitely have some nonverbal communication cues that they read clearly, and dad has some as well. So I guess nonverbal communication is important and real. When I think about nonverbal communication, one of the things I think about is when I was in the classroom and teaching, day one, first day of school, I would tell all the students when I am giving instructions, when I am teaching, you need to keep your hands down because the moment your hand goes up in the air, you're no longer listening to my words because you're already preparing what your question is, what your thoughts are, what you want to add to it. And the truth is, in so many ways, I think in relationships, we do the same thing. We may not actually stick our hand in the air, but we are. So as your spouse, as Scott is talking, and he's telling me something, am I preparing what I want to say, what I want to add to, how I want to maybe defend, or maybe I want to give suggestions, or maybe I want to correct And as soon as I stop actively listening to Scott, because I'm preparing for my speaking, I no longer really hear what he has to say. And here's the thing. He always knows that I've stopped listening. I'm convinced that he can see it in my eyes that I'm thinking of the next thing already. Because active listening is probably the biggest piece that is missing in good, solid, Effective communication. And obviously, communication is also not just active listening, but it's active speaking. If all you do is ever listen and never share and never speak, your partner is missing all of your thoughts because they can't read your mind. They're missing all of your ideas and all of your feelings. That it's important to both actively listen and actively speaking. The whole point of communication, the whole point is to share something, to send and to receive communication, right? The sending and receiving of communication is normally the problem when we have conflict with someone else, when we feel like we're not heard or understood. We have found that if you dig to the root of why there is conflict in relationships or why partners may not feel like they're known and understood within a relationship is because the communication is not articulated in such a way that it is received or that it is spoken in a way that is understood by their partner.
0: Oftentimes, there's a difference between what we intended to say and what we actually said. It's it, This is true in all areas of life. It's our intentions versus our actions. Well, hey, this is what I was trying to say. This is what In my head or in my heart, I thought I was going to say, and maybe those are the words that came out, but because of the way you said it, because of nonverbals, because of your attitude or because of other things going on in the conversation, uh, what actually happened, your behaviors that actually came out of your body communicated something totally different. That's the source of a lot of conflict, a lot of issues. Uh, and, and here's the thing, our intentions at the end of the day, don't make much difference. It really doesn't matter as much what we intended to do or what we intended to say. What really has an impact is what we did. And so, well, I didn't intend that. Well, that's great. But that's what you did. This is what you said. And this is how it affected me.
1: It's interesting because in the intentions versus actions, you did say, Scott, something about nonverbals and tone. And I think that that's something that we definitely need to draw our attention to. The truth is, most of the time, Scott's tone is pretty chill, calm, easygoing. I mean, by far, it's just who he is. But there are times when I know that he said something and I know, I know that something is off, Right that we're not communicating well because something is often his tone. 100%. I know that my tone has a tendency to be overly sarcastic. There are definitely times when um, it has like a, that little touch of condescending or if not condescending, I disagree with you, and you know I disagree with you based on my tone. And for sure, nonverbals, any sighing, I I do close kitchen cabinets a little louder than they need to be closed on occasion, just to make sure people know that I'm the one in the kitchen doing all the work. The truth is, is those nonverbal and the tone all contribute to the overall problem in our communication. And if we checked our tone and if we reflected on, okay, this, we had a conflict, there was communication fail. How was my tone? What were my nonverbals? speaking that my words were not
0: so you're saying on this recording no I never said anything for history's purposes mm. that you slam the cabinets on I purpose?
1: don't I don't really slam them I, I let them close them. I let them close a little louder than they probably need yes, to
0: I okay now you've all heard it and those of you who do the you, same thing
1: but you did say I could be fatter
0: yeah yeah well I guess we're even okay so in this idea of communication, listening, speaking, what are your intentions? What are your actions? There's some basic things here that I think are helpful for us in terms of how to communicate better. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you an example of something I learned a long time ago. One of our pastors many, many years ago, taught on this idea of our words. And as as believers, as Christ followers, the really the command for us, the the principle for us in how to communicate is with kindness. Um, and so there was a, there's an acronym, uh, the word think, T H I N K think. And I remember the pastor telling us uh, what each of these words mean in terms of how we communicate in marriage or in relationships. So here's, here's a good tool for you to remember before you say something, before you share something, uh, think about this, the word think T H I N K T is it true? Is it true? Now, if you stop there, there are people who will say, well, it's true. So I should tell people Uh, they need to know the truth. They need to know the truth. And yes, what we share with people should be true, but that's not all there is to it because the truth sometimes by itself is hurtful. So the, the H then is, is it helpful? So is it true? And is it helpful? If I say this to this person, if I say this to my wife, Uh, if you say this to your spouse, is it going to be helpful in the long run? And yes, again, those truth tellers will say, well, of course the truth is helpful. And so you're already thinking, I'm going to say whatever I think I should say, because it's true and it's helpful. Okay, great. Uh, is it, I, is it inspirational? Is it something that's going to encourage or motivate or something that's gonna, uh, you know, like give some sense of positivity to the conversation? Is it inspirational in, is it necessary? Ah, there's the kicker. Yes, it may be true. Ah, it's probably going to be helpful. Oh, I'm sure it will inspire them because I tell them the truth. Is it necessary? Is what you're going to say necessary in the conversation? Is it something they need to hear? And then the K, obviously, is kind. Is it kind? Is it true, helpful, inspirational, necessary, and kind? Can we learn to speak truth in love? Because sometimes there are things that need to be said. Sometimes we need to be able to share our thoughts and opinions, but do so in a way that shows kindness as well.
1: I think that tool helps us to get to the motivation for why you want to say what you want to say to your spouse. Because if you can't answer yes to all of those, it's to maybe prove that you're right, that you know something, to get your way. I think that's super helpful. And we see it all over Scripture. Right? I mean, how many times does Jesus just talk about the words coming out of our mouth? Or how many times in Proverbs do you read about the words coming out of your mouth? I mean, you read it over and over and over because the truth is, is the communications of things coming out of our mouth impact relationships, impact families, impact organizations, impact churches. What we say matters. And in James 1.19, oh, James, he just has a way of saying things that hit you in the face. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, to let every person be quick to hear, right? That's that whole, put your hand back down while someone's talking. And then there's the slow to speak. This is where I, I fail oftentimes. I'm not slow to speak. Just slowing down, listening to the words, and then speaking. And here's the truth. I think if we were quick to hear and slow to speak, I think the slow to anger would happen because we would have really heard what that person wanted to say. We would have done exactly what Scott said. We would think before we speak because we slowed down enough to go through the think.
0: One of my go-to verses for a a long time has been Ephesians 4.29. I remember as a young assistant principal in a high school in Houston, Texas, I read this, I was studying it, I don't know, through some kind of devotional book and found this verse. And at that point in time, uh, realized the power of my words. And so I actually added this to my email signature, which I probably shouldn't have done because it was a public school and went out to, you know, it was a professional thing, but underneath my name and my phone number and everything, I just had Ephesians 4:29 and I didn't have the verse written out but people who knew the Bible understood that it was a verse and so they would look that up and come ask me about it. And here's what it says. It says let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give peace or sorry, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not let unwholesome talk that was the version I remember learning. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth it just reminded me every day that the words that came out of my mouth have power. It wasn't just an admonition for me to keep corrupting talk or unwholesome talk out of my mouth. That was one thing that I could sort of control, right? Just don't say bad things. Don't say mean things. But the flip side of it is, is that your words should be good for building up as it fits the occasion, as, as the need arises and why? So that the people who hear what you say, are impacted by it. It gives grace to those who hear it. So those are two verses, James one nineteen and Ephesians 4.29, that, that mean a lot to us, that really speak on the idea of our words and how we communicate.
1: And you can know, right? You can listen to what we're saying, and you're like, yes, Scott, yes, Amy, I've heard that, I know what you're saying, I understand active listening and speaking. But here's the truth. If you don't put any action to what you know, what's the point? right? No one knows what's in your head. I don't know what knowledge you have in your head and heart unless there's action, unless there's follow through. And I think it's important for you inside of your marriage to say, we need a plan for better communication. It was several years ago and we were parenting two teenage children. Zoe was little bitty and Scotty, we were right in the middle of her diagnosis um, on the autism spectrum. We were figuring out school stuff. And I was working and Scott's working and there was ministry and there's just a lot, right? Life. You understand life and the big things that come in it. And I remember talking to a friend of mine, Jennifer, and just talking about how I had all these things that I needed to talk to Scott about, right? Things like, um, retirement bills, um, Scotty's therapy appointment um what are we going to do with jacob does he need to start studying for the sat i mean the list was just endless and i just told her i feel like there was no time that i make list and list and list of all the things that i need to talk to scott about and there was never any time for it you would get to the end of the week and the list just kept growing and jennifer said that in her marriage that they would have weekly meetings they set aside a time sometimes it would be part of like getting out of the house. it wasn't their date. I will say that they were different. Or maybe they just grabbed wine or a coffee or a Coca-Cola and went out and sat by the pool and they would just talk about all the things on their list. So Scott and I started to do this. And we, I started to keep a list on my phone when I would think of something that I needed to talk to him about, something I needed him to do, um, something I was feeling even, just my thoughts inside of my head. And I would save them up. Okay, so I'm just saving up all my things. And so instead of nagging him every single day, or as soon as he walks in the door, I'm like, hey, blah, 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 blah. Instead of doing that, I just saved him up. And then we had it on our calendar and we would meet Sunday evenings. And it could just be that we go in our room and we lock the door with our calendars and our list and we would just talk. And I will say that having a plan to communicate all those day-to-day things opened up ways for us to also communicate about really good heart things and ministry things. I just cannot recommend enough the idea of having a plan for it. If you don't have a plan to improve your communication, it's never going to improve.
0: Communication can come in just lots of different ways. Um, As Amy was saying, us making time every week to sit down and plan sometimes in the busy and craziness of life, you know, If you don't make that a priority, it's not going to happen. I remember hearing a story of a couple that um, mom was home with the kids most of the day. Dad was at work. He would come home having had a long day, of course, not always realizing, so did mom. And he would pull in the driveway into the garage of the house to get ready to go inside. It's time for dinner. It's time to get the kids ready for bed. And whether he was stressed out or whether he had stuff he wanted to talk to her about, Uh, every day was different. If you're a mom at home or a dad at home, you know how different things can be. And you know how by the time five o'clock, six o'clock in the evening gets there, some days are really great and they've been fantastic. And there's other days that are just not so great. So this couple in a way to communicate with one another so that they could start the communication in, in the evenings off in a very healthy way. Uh, they made, I, I would say, I'm going to name it a, a moodometer or a moodometer, okay, however you want to say it. And actually, they posted it right inside of the garage on the wall as he would get out of his car to go inside the house. And so right about 4.30, 5 o'clock every afternoon, uh, mom, depending on how her day had been, again, some days are fantastic, some aren't she would go out there and she would almost move like this dial. And I don't remember exactly how it worked for them, but let's just imagine there's like a sad face or a frowny face and a happy face. And she would set that moodometer and as soon as he pulled in the driveway, she could see it. Uh, He could see it. Sorry. And he knew before he even stepped foot into that house, whether she was on the edge or whether she was ready to listen or was in a mood that, you know, was going to be more pleasant. And so it gave him, it was a tool that they used to communicate that gave him a sense of, Hey, here's the reality of what's going on. So before I walk into it, I need to be prepared what I can say, how I'm going to say it, or maybe I just need to give her a break so that she can rest and then we can communicate later. So anyway, that's a real simple tool that I remember hearing about a couple, uh, and it seemed to be really, really helpful for them. So
1: kinda of wish we had used it because my tool that I tried to use was the one where I thought something in my head and then I would just kind of wait or stare at you and I would expect you to read my mind. You remember that tool?
0: Oh well this is one of those things, guys, that when you get ready to get married, I think most of the time they forget to hand you the pamphlet that says, Here's how you read your mind your wife's mind because most of us Well, we screw this up majority of the time. Why is it, though, that women think that we can do that? How does that work?
1: That's a great question. Here's what I'm thinking. Like, as time has gone by. Now, let me also preface this by saying I still expect you to read my mind. I think, you know, after 23 years of marriage and 26 years together, You, you would think that there's some things you should just know I'm thinking or feeling or needing just by reading my mind, but that's okay. I'm going to give you a pass.
0: I do know how to read your mind, by the way.
1: What am I thinking?
0: Uh, That you want to keep moving on. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry.
1: Here's what I've discovered. I think about the reading of the mind. What it really is, is I have in my head expectations. And they're unfair expectations. They're expectations that are high. And they're expectations for Scott, for how I think he should come into the house. And if he sees something out of place, that he'll put it back in order, that he'll say the right thing, that he will parent alongside me these with the same exact words and actions and thoughts feelings about it that he will give me a hug when I need a hug even if I haven't asked for it I have these expectations of his behaviors and his words that I've never ever articulated I've I've set these expectations so high and never told him what they were so then you're disappointed disappointment would happen and it's unfair. It was It's setting your spouse up for failure. And I think that early in marriage, that is definitely one of the things that I did the most. Um, it's the thing that I did without even knowing that I was doing it, right? Those feelings of disappointment and then thinking, why would I? I don't, Scott's amazing. Why am I feeling disappointed? Scott would do anything I ask of him, yet why am I feeling like he's not meeting my expectations? Well, it's because he did all the things I actually Used words to explain. The other thing I was thinking about besides the unspoken expectations, part of the other part of reading your mind is I read this article a few months ago, and it was talking about mental load, that that everyone has some kind of mental load. So if you're a manager in a business, your mental load is like everything all your employees are supposed to do. So even if you're not the one doing it, you're ultimately responsible as the manager of this company that all those things get done. So your mental load is constantly running. Well, research has shown that women carry typically a heavier mental load than the husband does inside the family. And here's the thing. I have a running list going through my mind at all times of every doctor's appointment needs to be made. Um, the bedtime routine, what they're going to have for breakfast. If, the, if there's school tomorrow, are the school closed out? Is the homework done? Um, does the dog need the medication? Cause it's the first of the month. Is the house need to be cleaned? Um, do I need to, to reach out to my parents? Does Scott need to take the car to go get the oil change that I have been telling him to do since we got the car in October? <clears throat> The mental load is always running. And what they found is that men typically don't have the same mental load. So when I'm feeling stressed out about things, by the way, some of those things on the mental load aren't even things I'm going to do. I have never changed the oil in the car, yet I think about it. So why I can't take some of those things off of my list is beyond my understanding. So this article kept talking about how women have this heavier mental load. And that they need to take some of the things off their mental load, and delegate, hand them off, and then when they hand it off, they need to go hands off. The expectation is, is you may not fold the towel the same way I do, but if I never have to do the laundry again, it's one thing I can take off my mental load. By the way, I will continue to wash the towels because they do need to be folded a very certain precise way.
0: But here's the thing: we've moved. We've said this in the last episode. We've moved. Ten times? Ten times. We're in our tenth place, and every closet we've had... Is set up differently, and you every time we move, you change the way you fold the towel. Okay, so
1: because the towels <laughs> after I need learn to it, be folded. What am I supposed to do? Oh no, no, you you relearn it. The towels have to be folded in such a way that the little curvature at the end of the towel is like pointing out. And if the shelf is more narrow, then you have to adjust the way you fold. Uh, the we towel. went from
0: folding them three ways to half ways to rolling them. Now, but we're don't back they, they always look season. good?
1: They always look great, and I'm they're always clean. but
0: that? They're always clean, and they smell fresh. So thank you. Yes, I'll fold them however you want.
1: Look. Look at us communicating. We're doing great. We are doing great. Keep going. The last thing I was thinking about, about reading the mind and the unspoken expectations and that mental load is something Scott says I've been saying a lot lately. Actually, it's one of those things I think I've learned from Scotty. Um, I'll ask Scotty a question, and if she doesn't respond right away, I'll ask it again, or I'll, like, rephrase it, thinking that she'll understand me or maybe perhaps respond to me. And there are times she'll just look at me, and she's like, there's too many words. Just stop, right? No more questions. That's my other favorite one. No more questions or too many words. And there's been times where I, I, I've i been home. I mean, I can go days where the only adult I talk to is Scott. And I'm sure that is something I probably should work on. And so he gets home from language school or he gets home from a meeting and I am just raring to go. I have all sorts of things I want to say. And as I am speaking the words, there are times where I can just see his eyes glaze over and I have started to say, oh, it's too many words. I'm just speaking too many words because the truth is all those things are things I want to share and communicate, right? But he's not in a place in that moment to receive them, to listen well. And once again, if I continue to speak it, he cannot receive it well because of the place we're in, that moment in time, then our communication is going to be completely ineffective and frustrating for both of us.
0: Yeah, I, I acknowledge that. I think the too many words thing uh, has been really helpful lately. That doesn't mean you don't have to talk about things. That means that the the list is still there and knowing that you have a list and a list of lists of lists, those weekly meetings are super important uh, so that you can get those things off of your list. So that's been really helpful. Uh, I think something you said earlier was, was great as well. Um, and from my perspective as being somebody who thinks by speaking, so I process things out loud. I process mm-hmm. things verbally. And so whatever's in my head, I need to think through it. I need to uh, just kind of talk it out. If you ever pass me in the street, uh, I've got my you know earbud in or you know maybe I'm holding my phone to my face. I don't do that here because it's against the law. But I used to do it quite a bit. About half the time, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm actually talking to myself. And I just do that so I don't look crazy. But now with Bluetooth and stuff, it's fine. You can talk to yourself in the car. But I do that because I have to talk it out in my own mind and get it out verbally. And so there's times when that's kind of where we are and maybe something that I am uh, trying to verbally process. And you said something earlier about being able to listen actively um, and rather than formulate your hypothesis or opinion or get ready to suggest it's been helpful when you just let me finish a thought and get that processed and then take a breath and then we can communicate and oftentimes i'm sharing it because not only it helps me process but i do value what you have to say and what you think Uh, so just that practice that balance of listening and speaking and again sharing all those things has, has come to be uh, very helpful for us in our relationship. So
1: I hear what you're saying. I'm receiving it. I will put that into action. I will be quick to listen and a little slower to speak. Hey,
0: this, this podcast is really working out. So <laughs> I hope this is helping y'all as much as it's helping us right here in this moment. So, all right, we're going to wrap things up with a couple of challenges for you. Hopefully if you listened to the last week's episode, you were able to uh, challenge one another and share your thoughts. Uh, It's great to share those with us as well. We love to read some of those. We won't share it and certainly won't uh, tell people who you are, Uh, but we love to know that these challenges are being helpful to you. So today's challenge is together, complete this statement. Here's the statement. One topic we can improve our communication on is blank. And in order to accomplish this, we will blank. All right. So what's one topic you need to talk about? And how are you going to accomplish that together? And for the next three weeks, commit to having a scheduled weekly meeting to discuss stuff. So plan it whatever day, whatever time works better for you. Talk about the upcoming week, talk about stuff that's going on, challenges, thoughts, feelings, issues, your to-do lists, pick a day, put it on your calendar. Hey, here's the reality with what's going on in the world right now. You got a lot of time. So just pick some time. Uh, Go to the bedroom, lock the door, have the conversation, uh, and get through those things that are important. They will help you feel on the same page, which will go a long way in your relationship.
1: Also on our Instagram, we have a bingo that has just 25 questions that you can just talk about. And so they're, they're all topics that can help in your communication. And so we just challenge you to start going through those, just asking those questions, during all of this good marriage time that you now have. Interesting, when we were reading through the questions that people submitted um, about marriage, that a lot of them were from our single friends. And I found that to be very interesting for a number of reasons. But one is the number of single women, specifically, who are thinking about their marriages in ways that I did not think about beforehand. And had I put some of that thought into it beforehand that there's so many things that could have been done better. So we're just so excited about the questions that have been submitted. Okay, Scott, here's the one for this week. Okay, I'm ready. That's not really a question. It's really a statement she has and I think she's just needing us to like respond Perfect. to it. Here, here's what she said. I'm worried that no one would be able to tolerate my particularness, my craziness. I feel that I'm too tricky a person for someone to tolerate me for the rest of my life.
0: Hmm interesting so this sounds like this person is it say male or female
1: It's a female
0: oh it's a single female, single female I don't know that anybody would be able to tolerate me mm. Wow that's that's kind of a deep question um, can you tolerate yourself <laughs> how does that go in um, it's possible that if you're recognizing those things in yourself uh, you may either be over exaggerating your particularlessness, or craziness, or they might be legit. And if that's the case, uh, talk to a friend. If you've ever had a roommate, ask them, like, "Hey, am I really as crazy as I think I am?" And they'll hopefully tell you the truth. But then begin to work on those things. If it if it is true, and you recognize and know what they are, then put a plan in place now. Like maybe one thing at a time. If it's the way, maybe you got a little OCD or whatever, and it's you know things have to be a certain way. Start working through those now, because those are the little things uh, you know, you always hear the joke about married couples and, you know, do you squeeze the toothpaste from the bottom or from the middle? And that, Oh, that's so stupid. That's not a thing worth arguing about. Does the toilet paper roll from the top or from the bottom? Uh, by the way, uh, they have now proven it's supposed to roll from the top. The original designer of the toilet paper roll, their patent. Why picture, would you Google that? I didn't Google it. It was something I saw on, on Facebook one day, but the, the patent photo of the toilet paper roll has the, ro- the roll rolling from the top. So that the controversy has been settled. So if you're doing it the other way, you're wrong. Uh, if you're squeezing toothpaste from the middle, gross. Like Just push it off from the bottom so it always has enough to come out. Those are the things that are seem so petty, but those are the things that are going to drive you crazy, especially when somebody moves in and is doing it a different way. So if that's you... Uh, pick a few of those things you can begin to work on now. Some of the things are just battles. You're not going to want to fight. It's just not worth it. Uh, and Hey, here's the thing. God made you. There's somebody out there that can put up with you. And if not, that's okay. Not everybody's supposed to be married.
1: Okay. (laughs) What I enjoy is that I'm a very particular woman. I really enjoy things being a certain way, I have worked really hard to to try to run like a tight ship in our family and to be organized and to do all those things, right? So I get it. I get that some of the ways I want to do things may seem crazy or overly particular to other people. But here's the thing. He's right. There's some things that I've just learned to let go because in the big scheme of things, in light of all eternity, does it really matter? said my sweet friend, Joan Bogart. Right.
0: Amen. Joan. Did you plant that question on purpose to see what I was going to say?
1: Yeah. And basically I think you were saying we shouldn't be married.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll rewind that. Uh, keep the Joan part in there. We love you, Joan. Thanks for all you did to encourage and mentor us along the way. And you're right. Does it really matter in the big picture? Does it matter? Most cases, no, it doesn't.
1: Most cases, it it doesn't. The truth is is that the person you find that loves you and can tolerate the quirkiness, that's the person you're supposed to be with, right? Someone else who's good with the quirky. I like it. And my sweet friend has sent in the question, thank you so much. And I want to encourage you and I want to encourage everyone who's listening. I want you to want more from your marriage. I want you to want more from communication than you know, it's okay. We we don't fight too much. We just fight a little bit. Or, you know, it, it could be worse. Just like you could be fatter. Hey, our communication could be worse. Could always be worse. So instead of approaching communication or instead of approaching our marriage like that, how oh, I encourage you to want more for it. I want you to, to know that there's so much more that God has in store for marriage and for relationships than just good enough. And the comparison is it could be worse. Well,
0: hey, that wraps up the episode three uh, this week, talking about communication. I hope you'll stay tuned and join us next week as we tackle the topic of connection, which will be a lot of fun. If you're listening to this on our website, just below the episode, there, there are some show notes. It's got some things, the challenges, links to our blog and our social media are all there as well. If you're listening to this on iTunes or on Spotify or another platform, the show notes, are there as well. You can choose to read that. We've got some links there. Anything we've mentioned here on our website, whether it's books, whether it's organizations that we support or people we refer to, uh, we're we're trying to link to those as well so that you can read more about uh, those folks. Go to our website, so muchmore.me. Join the talk online or on our Facebook page or Instagram, so much more. Just look us up there. Uh, The links again are on the website. We'd love to hear from you. Scott at so muchmore.me. Email us your questions, your comments, your feedback, your criticisms, whatever, and let us know how those challenges are going. Until next time, we appreciate you listening.
1: And may God's kindness shine brightly on your marriage this week.
0: All right, take care. We'll see you next time.